This morning, I don't want to take too much time, but thank you again for the generosity. Thank you so much for your hospitality. It's always an honor to be here, and uh, I'm just excited about what God is going to speak to us on this Sunday morning. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter number 26. It's going to be on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 26, we want to read three different passages, and uh, there's a lot of scripture that will be up on the screen later throughout the service this morning. But uh, Matthew 26, Mark 14, and John 12. So Matthew 26, Mark 14, and John 12. When you find it, please stand for the reading of God's word this morning. It is a custom I like to do as an honor uh, for his word. Uh, if you haven't found it, stand, fake it till you make it anyhow. Uh, that's just the way it is this morning. All right, so Matthew chapter number 26. One other thing you need to know about me is that uh, when I get going, I tend to get going. So my apologies up front for that. Uh, you might have to go back and listen to it on podcasts or somewhere like that. But uh, this morning, just try to keep up the best that you can. I try to keep it as slow as what I can. But if you knew everything that's going on in my head, uh, it's a scary world up there. I'm just telling you. All right. So, and uh, I am also one of those uh, what we call a hollerback kind of preacher. So, uh, how many of you want to be out here to go eat lunch today? None of you want to be out of here to go eat lunch today. Well, it's going to be a long day. <laughs> uh, but I am a hollowback kind of preacher, and so uh, you help me preach this morning, and uh, we'll get out of here uh, at a relevant time, you know. So I'll just leave it that way. No, we'll get out of here and uh, honor God's word and honor the time that I have with you. Matthew chapter number 26, beginning in verse number 6 through 13, it says this. It says, and when Jesus, everyone say Jesus. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head. Everyone say his head. As he sat at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. And in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Everyone say my burial. And assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Mark chapter number 14. We find the same passage of scripture. Mark 14, verse number 3. It says, And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his, everyone say his head. But there were some that were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish to do many good things to them, but, but you do not always have me. She has done a good thing what she could. And she come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. John chapter number 12, verse 1 through 8 says, then six days, I'm going to say six days, six days before the Passover. It's important for you to understand the context of when this story is actually taking place. It is six days before the Passover, right before whenever we'll find out when Jesus is about to surrender his life to be uh, on a cross and uh, the story that we know of the gospel. And right six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Let me just stop here and drop a little nugget for us this morning is when we do what God has called us to do, guess what? It's going to fill the entire house. So when you come into God's house and you do what God's called you to do in God's house, it's not just going to be a blessing just for you, but it'll be a blessing for the entire church body. Can I get an amen on this morning? Amen. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And they said that he cared not for the poor, but he was a thief and had the money box, and he wanted to use what was taken to put in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone, for she has kept this for the day of my burial, for the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always have. Father, today I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your anointing that is in this place. 
Father, I thank you for your people who have come on this Sunday morning to hear your word. Father, I thank you, God, for the opportunity to be the stand in the pulpit of this church here at Sanctuary Family Worship Center. Father, I pray for the pastor. I pray for Pastor Heath, God, as he is overseas doing the work you have called him to for right now for this season. God, I pray you would give him strength. I pray you would give him wisdom. I pray you would give him encouragement. God, I pray you would open up the windows of heaven, God, and pour out your glory in the places where he's going to go. Father, this morning we're asking the same thing on this Sunday morning here at Sanctuary Family Worship Center. God, it's a newly remodeled facility. And Father, this morning, we welcome in your presence. We welcome in your power. We welcome in your anointing. Father, I'm nothing more but a man. But Father, Lord, I'm asking you this morning to anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Father, lift me up above my talents. Lift me up above my abilities. Father, let these lips speak forth the word that is straight from your throne room on this Sunday morning. In Jesus' name, Romans said... Amen. You may be seated this morning. This morning, I want to preach to us on the subject entitled, From Now On. Link to your neighbor and say, From Now On. Link to your other neighbor and say, From Now On. Come on now, you got to help me out on this Sunday morning. Amen. I'm a Pentecostal preacher, so you just got to hang tight with me for a little while, all right? But I'm going to preach to us on a subject entitled, From Now On. You see, I began a journey uh, about a year and a half ago. I began to go through the scripture, and I began to read scripture, and I began to look at stories that are within all the different gospels, and I began to compare those stories. And, and God literally put me on a journey of a place of discovering and, and comparing things. And, and he said, Lee, I don't want you to preach what you've been taught. I don't want you to preach what what the church, what religion has taught you over the years. I want you to go back, and before you preach anything again, I want you to go back into the Scripture. I want you to reread it again, and I want you to understand what the Word is actually saying. Don't regurgitate what anyone else is saying. And this morning, I believe that, that we have, as the church in general, we have, we have lived such a life to the point, to the place, to where that's literally the life that we have become to live, that we only regurgitate what the pastor tells us is in the word of God. Are you with me this morning? What I'm saying with that, in and a, in a, in a, let me just get it down to layman terms for us. What I'm saying with that is this, is that we ourselves don't spend the time in the word of God like what we should do. We take it for granted by just coming to God's house and receiving what God has for us. And we feed off of that all week instead of getting in the word of God. Can I hit home for just a little while this morning? Amen. You still love me this morning. Amen. Because it's going to get maybe a little rougher for the days over with. But, but this morning, I, I want to take some things that God has been placing into my spirit. Because you see, one of the greatest treasures that I treasure outside of Jesus Christ is the anointing that he has and the anointing that he places upon his people. I treasure the anointing that he gives. And, and, you know, there is a process that we all have to go through to experience the anointing of God. Amen. Are you with me this morning? How many of you want the anointing of God on your life? Like it's never been before. Amen. You want the anointing. You want to be able to flow. You want to see God move. You want to see God do extraordinary things, the impossible things. You want to see healings take place. You want to see God perform the miracles that that no one else can do. The anointing is the word of God says the anointing is what destroys every yoke of bondage. Amen. And you see on this Sunday morning, I believe that I have a word specifically for, for one or two people in this place. I know for sure is that there are some of you in this place on this Sunday morning that that your life has still been bound up with some things and and you've still been toying with some things in your life and within your walk with God and and you've still been trying to to find answers to to things that you've been searching after and seeking after. You've been seeking joy. You've been seeking happiness. You've been seeking peace. You've been seeking all these things. But, But can I tell you something this morning? There is only one place that you will ever find perfect joy, perfect love, perfect peace, perfect happiness. And that is in the presence of Jesus Christ. There is absolutely no other place that you will find that. You can try everything else that is out there in this world that this world has to offer. But can I tell you this morning that once you have experienced the anointing of Jesus Christ upon your life, once you have allowed God to break the bondages off of your life, there is so much freedom when you get into God's spirit. Amen. Can I get some help on this Sunday morning? Amen. You see this day and 
age that we are living in, we, we're living in a day and age to where no one wants to, wants to move out of their comfort zone. We get comfortable right where we are. And I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning because you've been a church that for nine months, ten months, however long it was, that, that you left your own facility and you went out and stepped out on the limb of a faith with God, of believing that God was going to speak something. And, and then you come back and you say, well, we're back in the same facility and it's nice and remodeled. But God, what is it that you were trying to do? Well, tonight I'll talk to us a little bit about that. But I want us to understand that sometimes God is just looking for our obedience. Amen. And we need to understand that when we are obedient to God, we can step into a realm of the impossibilities. Amen. Are you with me on this Sunday morning? And so as I begin to study all these different things, begin to study the anointing, I begin to study the things that God was doing. I also ran across a couple passages of scripture that, that we've read and we've read multiple times. And, and one thing was Isaiah chapter number 43, verse 19. And it says, behold, everyone say behold. Isaiah 43, 19 says, behold, I will do a new thing. Everyone say new thing. Now, I'm not talking about something that is, that is ungodly. I'm not talking about something that is, that is against the word of God. But, but his word says that I will do a new thing. And, you know, that, that as, a, as a revivalist, as an evangelist traveling around, you know, you hear all this stuff that's going on and people say you know what well, pastor lee we've been we've been praying for revival and, and we're just believing that it's going to take place and we're just praying for this and, and we're just believing that it's going to take place and and i ran across this scripture they said god said behold i will do a new thing how many want to experience something new and fresh in the kingdom of god amen I, I don't know about you but every single time i step behind a pulpit i want god to do something that i ain't ever seen before amen and so so we all want something new but but so many times we get so caught up in our comfortable state of where we are that we think that that's further on down the road and we keep pushing it off and pushing it off and and saying we want it but you know what it's just not happening now but that's not what scripture says because Isaiah chapter number 43 verse 19 says behold I do a new thing and that next word is a three-letter word by the word of now everyone say now it says, Behold, I will do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth. And I came on this Sunday morning to Sanctuary Family Worship Center to tell us and to tell you that God is doing a new thing. It's not six months down the road. It's not ten months down the road. It's not three years down the road. But if you will understand that you have the ability to tap into the source of the anointing and the power of God right now where you are in this very service this morning, you don't have to have your pastor here. You don't have to have the worship team here. You don't have to have anyone else here with you, but you need to understand that if you want to experience the new thing that God has for you, that now is the time. Now is the time. You don't have to wait. You don't have to tell God, I'll do that some other day. But I'm telling you this morning that despite what anything is going on in your life, despite any circumstances, despite anything that the enemy has held you in bondage over, I'm here to tell you that now, today is the day for the anointing to flow in your life. Amen. You see, as I travel and I hear all of many people preach and I hear different things and we're living in the day and time and an hour that we could say, and you've heard this before and, and I've preached it before and I've said it before. You know, we're living in the darkest of days and, you know, we're living in the days where the enemy's just on a rampage and, and everything's just going wrong. And, you know, the United States has lost their mind. They're, they're doing all this kind of stuff. I don't know if you watch CNN, Fox News, whatever you watch, I don't really care, but they've all lost their mind anyhow. Amen. Can I get some help in the house this morning? Don't kill me this morning, right? But, but we're living in a day and time that is the darkest of times. But when I began to discover and I began to look through the scripture and I began to see some things, I found much hope in the darkest of times. You say, well, Pastor Lee, that's, that's kind of a stepping out on a limb there. You know, Jesus is the light of the world. And, and you're saying that you found much hope in the darkest of times. Well, we're living in a day and a time, well, let me tell us this morning, that we're living in a day and a time and an hour to where we will see that we have experienced abortion like never before. We have seen the mass killing of babies like never before. And I began to look at that and I said, there's only two other times in history where you will find where there's been a mass killing of babies. There's been a mass killing. Number one, you will find when Moses was being born that, that God was raising up a man by the name of Moses to be a deliverer, but, but they set a decree to kill all the babies at that time. The second time you'll find it is when Jesus Christ was being born, the deliverer, the savior of the world. And they, they set up a mass killing of babies during that time. And then now you'll find a mass 
killing of babies that's been going on in the United States of America. And can I tell us this morning, the United States will pay the price for what we have done. But can I also tell us hope on this Sunday morning that in the midst of darkness, God still moves. Can I give some some hope on this Sunday morning that even in the greatest or darkest of times, we see, well, Pastor Lee, you can say that, but I need you to prove it to me. Well, let's go all the way back to the very beginning of time. Genesis chapter number one, Genesis chapter number one. And it says in the beginning, what in the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was void and without form. And it says, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. But then it says, but the spirit was hovering. And what I want to understand this morning is when it said that word and it says the spirit was hovering. I used to always think that the spirit was just standing still because it says it was likened unto a dove in this moment. But then the Holy Spirit leaped on the inside of me and he said, I wasn't just sitting still on that day. But in the midst of darkness, when it seemed like all hope was gone and it seemed like everything was void and it seemed like nothing was there. He said, Lee, my spirit began to move like it's never moved before. And I created the greatest creation that I have ever created. Can I give Sanctuary Family Worship Center some hope on this Sunday morning that I don't care what hell you've been through. I don't care what life has been like for you. I don't care how the darkest of times have been for you. I don't care if your kids are strung out on drugs. I don't care if if your mama and daddy have left and been split and divorced. I don't care what's going on. What I care and I want you to understand on this Sunday morning is despite what the enemy has meant for bad for you, God said I will turn it around for my good. What I want you to understand on this Sunday morning sanctuary worship is that when you allow the anointing of God to flow and move in your life and transform your life in such a way that when you come into God's house on a Sunday morning, despite what everything else has been going on within your life, you come and you say, I don't care what's been going on the rest of this week. I came into God's house on this Sunday morning because he is still the king of kings. He is still the Lord of lords. He is still my savior. He is still my deliverer. He is still my everything. You need to understand on this Sunday morning that despite what the enemy has come against you, despite how dark it may seem, God says in the midst of darkness, the light shines brightest and my spirit still moves. Can I get someone to help me out on this Sunday morning? My spirit still moves. You see, in the very beginning of time, we go all the way back. We need to understand that it has been always God's intention for him to leave heaven and come and dwell among his people. The word of God says in the beginning that he would come and it says in the voice of God would walk with man in the cool of the evening, in the cool of the morning. Every single day, it has always been God's intent to walk with man. Let's go all the way back to the very beginning that after in the midst of darkness, the spirit of God began to move. God then reached down into the ground and he began to form this human being and he breathed the breath of life into this human being. And he called him Adam or Adam, as we say. He called him Adam and he raised him up and he saw that it was not good for man to be alone. And so he reached down and he formed, uh, pulled the rib out of the man and he spoke and breathed life into that. And, and he formed a woman. A help meet to God, a help meet to Adam. And now we have Adam and Eve and we have them here and, and God has placed them in dominion. He has placed them in authority. Everyone say authority. Everyone say authority. You know, it's, it's funny to me how we all like to have authority until it comes to the things of God. Let that sink in for just a little while. We always like to have dominion and authority over other people doing other things. Maybe you're just not real this morning. Maybe you don't deal with people like what I deal with until it comes to the thing of God. You see, I want you to understand as we go through this process this morning, I want you to understand that your original creation that God placed you in and he placed me in was to have dominion and have authority. Are you with me this morning? Over anything and everything that comes your way, you were given dominion and you were given authority. We follow the scripture all the way through that God's, you know, we got the trees there. We teach this all throughout. We teach it in nursery. We teach it to kids growing up, all this kind of stuff. That it comes to the point, comes to the place to where 
the fall of man takes place. They've partaken of the forbidden fruit and they have fallen. And then we find ourselves in a place now to where God now comes back down to, to earth. And he's coming to walk with Adam and Eve again after they've fallen out of their state of dominion and authority. And in this moment now we have that they are hiding. They went they found fig leaves to make clothes to cover themselves up. And all this is taking place. And God asked this question. It's in Genesis, uh, I forget which chapter it's in. It's in there somewhere. Find it. It's in there. Trust me. Genesis, and it says this. God comes down and he asks this question. He says, Adam, where are you? Anyone ever heard that or read that before? He says, Adam, where are you? That statement began to become intriguing to me because God's not a God of hide and go seek. And I said, God, if you are an all-knowing God and you know where everyone is, you know every hair that's on my head, why in the world would you ask the question, Adam, where are you? Do we think that they were hiding so well he couldn't find them? God, what is it that you were actually asking there? When you begin to study the Greek and the Hebrew, you will find out that what God was asking this is he was asking, Adam, When I left here, I placed you in dominion and I placed you in authority, but now you are no longer there. So Adam, where are you? Had nothing to do with trying to find out where they were physically. It had everything to do with where they were spiritually. You see, as a little nugget here, I'll throw this out. So many times we ask people, how are you? Pastor Christian, how are you doing? We ask that question all the time, right? How are you doing? How are you? But I think spiritually speaking, what would happen if we began to ask the question, where are you? Because when you ask a person where they are, you will also find out how they are. God was saying, Adam, where are you? Because now you've messed everything up. Now you are no longer in dominion. Now you are no longer in authority. And now I no longer can come down and have this kind of walk with you every day. So now I have to do something to get back to the place of the originality of how I had everything designed to get you back to a place of dominion and authority. Are you with me this Sunday morning? So then we will find to where God takes, we fast forward through the scripture, we will find in in the book of Exodus, we will find to where God then takes a man by the name of Moses. And he takes Moses, Exodus chapter 24, verse 16 through 18, tells us that he takes him up to the top of a mountain for 40 days and for 40 nights. And for 40 days and for 40 nights, while he's on the top of that mountain, God begins to speak into Moses' life and begins to give him blueprints for the wilderness tabernacle. If you don't know anything about the wilderness tabernacle, let's just sum it up here. The wilderness tabernacle was a place where it insisted of, it consisted of the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, what was the dwelling place of God himself, that he would come down and then come meet with his people again. It gave mankind once again access to get back into his presence. It gave mankind once again access to get back into dominion and authority. Are you with me this morning? Well, some of you are lost with me, so let us just run through the the wilderness tabernacle with you this morning for just a little while. You see, you need to understand Exodus Exodus chapter number 24. He says for 40 days he takes him up there. He begins to give him all these blueprints. What you need to understand about how the, the wilderness tabernacle was set up is this, is that it was a solid white curtain that stretched out all the way around. It was made up of three different parts, the outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. Are you with me this morning? The outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. Now, you need to understand that that is symbolic of the three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You also need to understand that there is an appropriate way in order to get into the presence of God that God had set up and ordained from the very beginning of time. That when he said, then he began to speak to Moses, he said, there is specific directions for you to get into my presence. And this Sunday morning, I don't know about you, but I long to just 
dwell in the presence of God. Amen. So let's go back to the very beginning so we can understand a few things this morning. I'm going to go really fast for the sake of time this morning, but hang tight with me for just a little while. I've only got 29 minutes left this morning, so hang tight with me for just a little bit. But from the very beginning, Moses, he began to give Moses this direction. He said, Moses, at the very beginning, there's going to be an entrance. But before you go to the entrance, you you have to understand that there are 12 tribes, and those 12 tribes had to be strategically placed around the wilderness tabernacle. Now, does anyone know what two main tribes were placed at the very beginning of going into the wilderness tabernacle? Anybody this morning? It was a tribe of Levi for the Levitical priests for ease of access for going in. But then also one of the main tribes that was there was the tribe of Judah. Everyone say Judah. What you need to understand about Judah is Judah means praise. Everyone say praise. Judah means praise. So you need to understand this morning that there is a process of getting back into a place of dominion and authority, a place of getting back into the presence and the power of God. And before you can even enter in, the word of God says you first have to go through the tribe of Judah, which is the tribe of praise. And whenever you understand when it says the tribe of Judah, Judah, when you break it down in Greek and and, and Hebrew, it is yada. Everyone say yada. And whenever you understand it says yada, what it means in there, and it means thank you, Lord. That's simply what it means. Yada means thank you, Lord. So what you need to understand on this Sunday morning is that before you can ever get into the place that God wants for you, before you can ever step into the anointing, before you can ever step into the rightful place of dominion and authority, you first have to go through the tribe of praise. And you say, well, Pastor Lee, they didn't sing my favorite song on this Sunday morning. I mean, I was just expecting uh, Miss Stacy and Pastor Christian just to, just to sing my favorite song. I've done begged them for the last month and a half, and they still won't sing my favorite song. And, and you know, Pastor Lee, I just, I just can't get into praise on a Sunday morning if they're not singing my favorite song. I mean, if it's not my favorite song, then, then I, can't, I can't just get in there. But, but I came here on this Sunday morning to let you know something. It's a little secret that I found out, that praise has never been about you. It has always been about Him. So it doesn't matter whether they're singing your favorite song or not. If it's his favorite song, you might as well just ought to join in and say, you know what, on this Sunday morning, my praise on this Sunday morning, you know, it's been a tough week for me. And you know, I've been a little sick. And and matter of fact, I came with a sinus cold this morning. It's amazing how many people allow sinus colds to keep them out of church, but they go, well, I ain't even going to go there this morning. But, but this morning we say, we come to God's house with a praise on our lips and we sit on a padded seat and we look there and, and the praise and worship has to prime us up a little bit. Because they say, you know what, you know, if they'll, if they'll get me there, I'll get there. But they're going to have to work hard on this Sunday morning. The praise and worship team knows what I'm talking about because it's about like preaching. I got to prime you up just a little bit to get you there. But you see, you need to understand that it doesn't matter what has come your way. It doesn't matter what your week has looked like. It doesn't matter what's been going on. You ought to come into God's house with a praise on your lips and say, in spite of everything else that's been going on, thank you, Jesus, that I am still here. Thank you, Jesus. I am still alive. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not eight feet underneath the ground. Thank you, Jesus, that my son or my daughter is saved. Thank you, Jesus. They're still alive. They might be strung out on drugs, but guess what? They're still alive. You see, you need to understand that despite the darkness that's going on in your life, before you can ever get into the anointing of God within your life and walk in the dominion and authority, you've got to understand that you first have to go through the tribe of Judah, the tribe of praise before you can ever get there. Well, Pastor Lee, I just don't think that I got anything to be thankful about. Well, hang out just a little while longer because we'll give you something to be thankful about because you need to understand that the word of God said in Psalms chapter number 100, I believe it is, in verse number 3, it said enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. You see, we say that all the time without understanding what it's actually meaning. But before you go from the gate into the, the ark of, to the wilderness tabernacle, you need to understand that the first area is the outer courts. Everyone say courts. You see, we quote that all the time without understanding what it means, but it says enter into his gates with thanksgiving. But if you want to go into his courts, you got to go with praise. Well, Pastor Lee, you, you just, you don't know. I'm just tired. I'm just worn out. I just, I just can't get into it this morning. 
Has God been good to you? I said, has God been good to you? Has he been faithful to you? Has he given you everything that you need? Some of you are hesitant on that. I didn't say what you want. I said what you need. Amen? Yet we come into God's house and it's just another Sunday. Pastor Heath ain't going to be here. We got that wild evangelist in here this morning. Are you with me this morning? You got to go through praise. From praise. From praise you go. The next thing is the gate. There was only one gate to get in. Jesus Christ. He is the only way. It was the only section that had any color to it. Royalty. There is only one way. Despite what the world teaches, there is only one way into the presence of God. His name is Jesus Christ. It is not Christo. It is not Muhammad. It is not whoever. It is not the president. It's not your mama. It's not your daddy. It's not your pastor. It's not any of those people or any of those things. There is only one way to get into the presence of God. From going into the gate, going through Jesus Christ, then you would step in and there would be a place called the altar. At the altar is where a sacrifice had to be made. Can I tell us on this Sunday morning that if you want to step into the presence, the power and the anointing of God, and you want to step back into the rightful place of dominion and authority that God has for you, it's going to require a sacrifice. And there are some in this place this morning that you've been holding on to some things that it's going to take the anointing to break those things off of your life. But you've got to be willing to give the sacrifice. It has always been about the blood. Because at the very moment that Adam and Eve fell and they covered themselves in fig leaves, when God came down, he went and he found a lamb and he slew it. And he took the blood and he cleansed the garments and he placed the garments over Adam and Eve. It has always been about the blood. It has always been about the sacrifice. When you pass from the altar, then you'll go past the laver. The laver was a wash pen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 26 says this. It says that we have to be washed by the word daily. That's why it's important for us to stay in the word, to wash yourself with the word. Because guess what? If you don't take a bath every day, if you don't take a bath in the word of God every day, you stink. You must be washed in the word. From the outer courts, then we move into the inner court. Notice a transition of light. You move from the outer court that there is natural light. Now you move into the inner court. And I'm going through this really fast. Now you move into the inner court. In the inner court, to your right was a table of showbread. To your left was the menorah, which was the lampstand. And before you was the altar of incense, the altar of worship. Are you with me this morning? You move from the outer court of natural light to the inner court of man-made light that was fueled by the oil, which was the oil's representation of the Holy Spirit. So you transition from the natural light to man being fueled by the Holy Spirit to provide the light. Are you with me this morning? From there, the, the priest would go in and he would do all these things and then he would stand before the altar of incense. And at the altar of incense, he would begin to worship. He began to have oil covered his entire body and he would begin to strip down from his priestly garments and strip down from a kingship, whatever it was that he had on, into a normal man where he wore a solid white piece of linen. Everyone say solid white. It was a seamless solid white piece of linen. And they would saturate him with oil. And this was before he ever transitioned into the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God was. Let me stop here for just a second. All throughout the Word of God in Exodus, you will discover when you study the, the tabernacle and the, the precepts and all that had to happen, the high priest, the one who was going to go into the Holy of Holies, had to be anointed with oil. Are you with me this morning? Now, we say this all the time when we preach this and we think about this and we think that 
you know, well, it's, it's just a little bit of oil. It's not a whole lot of oil. But this morning, I want you to understand that it wasn't just like Pastor Heath would come and put a little oil on his finger and touch your head and then do that. It was a whole lot of oil. It was estimated that they put six to seven quarts of oil over his head. Six to seven quarts. Think about that. That's how much it takes for your vehicle to run. They would pour it over his head. Now, what would you do if you came down and Pastor Heath poured seven quarts of oil over your head? Right? Pastor Heath, we just remodeled this place. You just messed the carpet up. Are you with me this morning? But he had to be anointed with oil. It's important for you to understand that. Now let's go all the way back. I want to stop right there before he would go in to the ark of, uh, to the, the Holy of Holies and to the ark. Samuel tells us, 1 Samuel chapter number 16, verse 13 tells us, just so you know, says that Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, being David in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Exodus 28, verse number 41 says this, says, So you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and his sons with them. You shall anoint them and consecrate them and sanctify them, that they minister to me as priests. And in Exodus 29, verse 7 says this, You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his what? On his what? On his head, and you shall anoint him. Now, there are many different reasons if we, if we go back to the context of the story that I read to you this morning of Mary when she is anointing Jesus Christ. There are many different reasons uh, that people would be anointed whenever you would come into someone's house. The first being this, that whenever you made a long journey into someone's house, they didn't have cologne. They had fragrances. So it was mixed in the oil, and the oil was mixed together. So when you would come in, as a guest of that home, the, the person who owned that home would reach over and grab some oil and smear it across your forehead because he knew that you stunk. And you were about to sit at a table and eat together, so they wanted everything to smell good. So it was an essence of the reality of that they were just placing cologne on. You also find that, that there, there is a, a place uh, within the Word of God to where shepherds would anoint with oil. Now, the shepherds would, would take their sheep and they would anoint their sheep with oil. Now, why in the world would shepherds take the oil and anoint their sheep? It's all symbolic for us this morning for us to understand that sheep had this thing called ear mites and all these little parasites and all that would attach into the wool and get underneath the wool and they would make their way towards the head of the sheep and when they made their way towards the head of the sheep then they would make their way into the ears of the sheep and from the ear of the sheep they would get in and get into the mind or the brain of the sheep and cause the brain to be tormented and cause the sheep to be tormented to the extent that you would find sheep if you've ever seen this before that they would go find a tree or a fence post and they would ram their head continually against that tree or that fence post until it eventually killed them so the hot so, so the shepherd the shepherd would go find some oil and the shepherd would take the oil and anoint the head the head of the sheep and that oil would protect the head of the sheep and prevent the parasites and the ear mites from getting in the ears and getting to the brain. You need to help me out on this Sunday morning because you see, you need to understand that the number one area that you and I is the sheep of his pasture, that you and I, the number one area that you and I fight every single day is not with our hands, it's not with our feet, it's not with other people, but the number one area that you and I fight in is between your left ear and your right ear. It is a thing called the human mind. And if you ever understand, my God, you need to help me. If you never need to understand that, my God, I, I get up on the morning and my mind's just tormented from all the things that I've done. My mind is just tormented from the things that have attached themselves to me. But can I tell you on this Sunday morning that I don't care what has been tormenting your mind. I don't care what the devil has told you as a lie. I don't care what addiction has you bound. I'm here to tell you on this Sunday morning that oil is represented 
representation of the anointing and the Holy Spirit. And when you understand that when you allow God to take the oil and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and pour it over your head, it will consecrate you and prevent all of those parasites, prevent all those mites, prevent all of those mind games, prevent all those things. I need someone to help me out on this Sunday morning because you see, you might not have been through some of the things that I've been through, but I've been in places of times in my life that I felt like I was too worthless to stand up and speak to anybody. I've been in places in my life that I felt like, God, I I was too bound to be set free. But when I got into the understanding that if I will just get into the presence of God and allow God to pour his spirit out upon me, every addiction has to go. Every disease has to go. Every mind game has to go. You see, I'm helping somebody out on this Sunday morning because you've been bound by your addiction and you need set free on this Sunday morning. Can I tell you on this Sunday morning that when you go through the court of praise and you offer a sacrifice unto God and you stand before him and you say, God, here I am. Just pour it all out. I'm willing to give it all up. Just saturate me. Then you will leave out of this place with a fresh anointing and a fresh oil over your life that will defeat anything that comes against your way. You need to give God some praise in this house this morning that he's allowed the oil of the anointing of the Holy Spirit to set you free. If you've been set free from anything in your life, you need to let a shout out to God and say, thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my body. Can somebody help me out on this Sunday morning? Uh, Say, well, Pastor Lee, well, there's different places throughout Scripture and out the Word of God that you're you're saying all that, but but I want to know where it is that, that God promises to prepare up when he promises to anoint my head. How many of you want to be in the exact spot where God promises to anoint your head? Raise your hand. You want to be in that spot? Be careful now. I just led you into a trap and you didn't even know it. Because you see, the only place in the word of God that it promises you and it promises me that God will anoint your head with oil is in Psalms chapter number 23. And we quote it all the time. Psalms chapter number 23, verse number 5. It says, Thou preparest a table before me where? Where? In the presence of my enemies, and thou anointest my head with oil. This is the only place in the entire word of God that I have been able to find where God says, this is the place where I will anoint your oil. Well, Pastor Lee, you know, it says there that it's going to be in the presence of my enemies. And I don't know about you, but I've had a few enemies in my life before. How many of you ever had any enemies in your life before? Amen. And I began to discover throughout the word of God that, that we don't always like enemies in our life. We don't always like having to go through things in life. Are you with me this morning? But I don't know about you, but because of some of the things that I've been through, it's the reason why I'm still standing where I'm at. Can I get some help on this Sunday morning? Oh, see, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. You see, you need to understand that the Word of God also tells us, it tells us to pray for our enemies. Are you with me this morning? It says pray for your enemies, you know? And so many times you can pray that prayer and you say, well, God, bless them, Jesus. You know, that's a hard thing to do. I don't know if you've ever had to do that before. That's a hard thing to do. God, even though they've tried to kill me. God bless them. God bless them. Bless them going me in. Bless them going out. But if you're like me, you're saying, God, bless them. Bless them. But God, just kill them. God, just kill them. Get them off the face of you. They're just a waste of oxygen. They're just taking up space. They're just taking. Oh, come on. Let me get down to some real things with us this morning. If someone's ever done you wrong, if someone's ever, you know, meant out to, for, to take you down or take you out, that's how we pray sometimes. But God says, pray for them. Bless them. You know, bless them. No, no, God, take them out. Just matter of fact, God, if you won't do it, you just let me do it. I'll just let, just tell them that somebody, they died somewhere. But, but anyhow, God, would you just do this? But then I also understood that there's another meaning for that scripture. When it says pray for your enemies, there's a three little word in there, three letter word in there by the word of for everyone say for. And when you study Greek and Hebrew, you will also determine that there are eight to nine different meanings for every single word that is translated. And one fold of that is saying that pray for, bless them. But also another meaning of that is that you might have. Everyone say that you might have. Uh, Why in the world would I pray that I might have an enemy? How many of you want to pray that you have an enemy? Pastor Lee, I'm just going to pray this Sunday morning that... Hellfire and brimstone has just hit me as soon as I walk out the door. 
I'm just going to pray that someone is just to show up, try to take me out, take me down. I'm just praying that as soon as I walk out of this church on this Sunday morning, the devil and all his demons just come against me and they just chase me all week long. Well, you're pretty crazy if you pray for that every now and then. But, but I also want us to understand this. It says pray for that you might have Pray for that you might have an enemy. Well, Pastor Lee, you're stepping out on a limb here. What are you talking about? What I'm talking about is David would have never made it to the palace if there wasn't a man by the name of Goliath. You see, David would have still been on the backside of a pasture somewhere tending the sheep. But because at a young age there was a man by the name of Goliath that came against him, and he came and he stood before Goliath. He didn't just come and bring his stones and bring his sling, but he came and he also grabbed his staff. And there's a whole other meaning in that staff, and I ain't got time to preach it to us this morning. But you need to understand it. He came and he stood before that enemy called Goliath and he basically told him Goliath guess what today's your day it ain't my day today's your day you see you need to understand that there are sometimes that there are enemies that we face in life Joseph Joseph had a dream Joseph had a dream he told it to all his brothers he had multiple dreams that one day he was going to be a ruler of all the nations and everyone's going to be bound down to him even his brothers going to be bound down to him you need to be careful who you tell your dreams to because not everybody's going to like the dreams that you have Joseph tells his dreams to all these kind of people he finds himself in a place. His, his brothers put him in a pit. From that pit, a, 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 a caravan of Ishmaelites come by, pick him up, take him to, to uh, Potiphar's house. At Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife comes by and says, I like Hebrew boys and I cannot lie. Hebrew boys and I cannot deny. And Hang tight with me just a little while. Right? It's okay. All right, so, so, and uh, Potiphar's wife says, I like you. And he's like, no, no, no. He said, no, no, I really like you. And so she tries to do this kind of thing. He tries to get away. She takes his coat, winds up. Joseph winds up being in the prison. Now, Joseph's like, you know what? I've had a dream. And God said, you're going to do this in my life. Now, I found myself. My brothers have walked out on me. My family's walked out on me. I found myself in a pit. Now, I find myself trying to do right, being a man of character, being a man of integrity. I find myself in a prison. God, what are you going to do? When are you going to set me free, God? When are you going to? You ever found yourself in like, is that just me this morning? And then Joseph said, you know what? I'm down here and there's a butler and a baker, but there was no candlestick maker down there either. So butler and the baker are down there. Butler and the baker, they have a dream each. And he looks up to the butler and he says, butler, you're going to live. And in three days, you're going to be promoted to the palace. But baker, guess what? You're going to die. So just go ahead and get ready. It's over with for you, buddy. And so he's going to die. And then he says, looks at the butler and he says, butler, don't you forget about me. When you go to Pharaoh's house, don't you forget about me. And two to three to four to five years go by and but and Joseph's still down in the prison. He's wondering, what happened to my boy, the butler? He done walked out on me and done left me. Have you ever found yourself in life to where God had given you a dream, but then those dreams didn't seem to come to pass, and you were wondering, you were fighting the enemy left, and you were fighting the enemy on your right. But can I tell you on this Sunday morning that if it had not been for his brothers walking out on him, if it had not been for the pit, if it had not been for Potiphar's wife accusing him of things and placing him in a prison, he never would have met the butler and the baker and he never would have made it to the palace to be the second most powerful man in the world. I came on this Sunday morning to tell someone, despite what the enemy has brought against you, you need to hold on to your dreams because when you are an anointed man of God, when you're an anointed woman of God, the dreams that God has given you, the visions he has given you, sanctuary worship center, the dreams that God has given you, there is no devil in hell that can stop those things. It is up to you and I to get into the place of allowing the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God to flow in this place like he has never done before. Can someone give God praise this morning? Now, I got five minutes. It's a place where he anoints our head. in the presence of our enemies. Back to the passage of Scripture when Mary anoints Jesus. As I began to compare those passages, I found out that over the years I always preached it that she was simply just worshiping Jesus Christ. Now she was. She was worshiping him. But at the same time, I discovered something never seen before. Because you see, I read to you three different versions of the same story from three different angles. One of those 
talks about that she anoints his feet. You've heard it preached time and time and time again. I'm not saying stop preaching it. That's not what I'm saying. That she anointed his feet. I've heard that time and time again. I've preached that time and time again. And then I read the other two. And in neither one of the others does it mention that she anointed his feet. Not once. It says that she took it and she poured it. Where? Over his head. Wait. Jesus is a guest. He just came to sit down and have a meal. Why in the world would she take a flask of oil equivalent to six quarts when Jesus is about to sit down and have a meal and pour it over his head? It wasn't just out of worship. When was it? It was six days before the Passover. You see, Jesus was the Son of God. He didn't have to be anointed. He was already the anointed one. But you need to understand something here. Everything I've said comes down to this. Jesus had fulfilled every Levitical law to be the high priest. Except for, up until this point, he had never been anointed with oil. And before the high priest could ever step into the Holy of Holies, he had to be anointed with oil. So why would Jesus fulfill every other Levitical law and skip this one? He wouldn't. You see, Mary, it says that Jesus responds and says, well, why is she doing this? And Jesus said, she does this for my, for my what? For my burial. Because in six days, just a few days, Jesus was fixing to lay down his life. She does this for my burial. Well, it's not custom to anoint someone before they're dead. That doesn't take place until after they're dead. Are you with me this morning? Doesn't take place until after they're dead. Well, Pastor Lee, maybe she was just trying to get ahead of the game and nobody else. Matter of fact, Joseph or Arimathea came, took Jesus off the cross. It happened so fast, they, they didn't have time to anoint him. Well, I've been told that too. Until I found a scripture in John chapter number 3. It says that when Joseph or Arimathea takes him off the cross, a man by the name of Nicodemus comes following behind him with oil and spices to go and anoint the body of Jesus. Well, why in the world would she be anointing the body of Jesus for his burial if Nicodemus already has that taken care of on the day that he dies? And you place all this together and you tie every loose end together, you will discover that Mary was pouring oil over Jesus, saying, every Levitical law has been fulfilled for you to be the high priest. Now, you go do what you've got to do. You now have every right as a man on this earth and as the Son of God to step into the Holy of Holies and rent the veil into. To give access. You've heard that before, right? To give access to you and I. I preach that too. It's not technically right. Because you see, mankind has always had access to God. What changed? Now, I'm, I'm, don't take that out of context because you had to go through the high priest, you had to go through those customs and all to get there. But mankind has always had access to God. But what changed after we gave dominion authority to the enemy? This is what changed. God moved from being able to come and walk and dwell with us every single day then he was placed in a 15 by 15 by 15 cube where the Ark of the Covenant was. And that was the only place his presence ever came. So it wasn't so much of 
him giving us access to him as it was him getting out of the box and saying, now I can go and dwell with my people as I please, when I please, and how I please once again. A restoration of dominion and authority. Worship team, would you come? And and if y'all don't mind, would y'all do that, what mercy did for me? I want to show you one one last thing. It's 12.01. Can I I have five minutes? Is that okay? Five minutes, I promise. And I want to let God do what he wants to do. When Jesus goes in, what did I tell you? I told you the high priest, he wore a solid white piece of linen, right? Solid white. I want to say solid white. I want to show you something in the scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 8 says this. It says, let your garments always be white and let your head lack no oil. In reference to everything that I've just said to us this morning. But in John chapter number 20, John chapter number 20, verse number 11, tells us this. It says, but Mary stood outside the tomb. This is after Jesus had died and was placed in the tomb. It says, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she weeped, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels. Everyone say two angels. In white, sitting. One at the head and the other at the feet of where the body of Jesus was or had been. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she supposed him to be a what? A gardener. And she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. She saw Jesus. She didn't know it was Jesus because she suspected that it was a gardener. Well, you know, I used to read that, and I used to think, But Jesus is just playing hide and go seek because he doesn't want to be seen just yet. Right? That's the way my mind thinks. But then I remembered when I was standing at the Garden Gethsemane and when I was standing at the Garden Tomb, some things that were said. A gardener who would tend to the garden over in Israel because it was so hot, guess what they would wear? Just take a wild guess. A solid white piece of garment. And when I heard the historian say that, it leaped in my spirit. You're right, God. You never were trying to play hide and go seek. She supposed him to be the gardener because he was dressed in solid white. Are you with me? But then when you tie all the loose ends together, well, God, did you dress up to be the gardener just so you could be in disguise? No. Jesus Christ had just went into the Holy of Holies. He had just defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he had just rent the veil in two. But if he being the high priest went in, that means he too had to wear a solid, white, seamless piece of garment. Think, wow, that ties a couple things there together. Let me show you where it all ties together. Come here for just a second, brother. I want you to stand right there. I want you to face me. It says that when Mary comes in, she saw how many angels? How many? Two. And they were doing what? They were what? Facing each other, one at the head where the body of Jesus was, and one at the feet of where the body of Jesus was. And they were sitting, if you can. And they were facing each other. Okay, that seems pretty cool. They're just there where the body of Jesus was. But then if you remember, 
when Jesus left out of the tomb, he took his clothing off and he folded it because every rabbi would fold it a certain way and he left it right in the middle, right? Am I preaching truth? Are you with me this morning? And we always used to think that, well, that's just a solid white piece of cloth that's folded there. It had been around the body of Jesus Christ and it was saturated in blood. So where else do you find in scripture where there is an angel facing an angel with the blood applied in the middle? The Ark of the Covenant. And what Jesus was saying is he was saying in essence, when Mary came in, because you anointed me, you fulfilled the last thing that had to be fulfilled so that I could be dressed in white and step into the Holy of Holies. And now, as Mary comes in, she sees the angel with the angel with the blood applied in the middle. The veil is written to the Ark of the Covenant is no longer needed. No longer do you have to provide a sacrifice of blood or with animal. No longer does that custom ritual have to be done because Jesus said, I fulfilled it, and there it is. It's done. It's finished. It's over with. And you see, one of the crazy things is, is that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane means the oil press. It takes three pressings with the olives to get the oil. It is the Gethsemane process. You see, this morning I came to preach, to tell you this whole process to bring a little bit of light on some things and the truth of the Word of God. But I also came for this reason too. Is that I don't care where you're at in your walk with God. I don't care how strong an addiction may seem. I don't care how far away from God the enemy has told you that you are. Because you see, there are some of you in this place that have been toying with God. And you've tried so hard to live as close to the world as what you can, but slide on into heaven. I challenge you this morning to quit trying to live as close as what you can to the world. Try to live as close as what you can to God. Say, well, Pastor Lee, it's, it's just too hard. It's too difficult. I'll never be set free from this. With that kind of attitude, you never will. But with the understanding that Jesus Christ came, He applied the blood, the oil was there. And with understanding that the anointing destroys every yoke of bondage. Everyone say every Every yoke of bondage. And not only in the moment of whenever all that took place, did God give access both ways, but He restored His creation, you and I, back to a place of dominion and authority. And you might come here this morning and say, well, I can't get set free from it. You're wrong. It's because you don't want to be set free from it. Because God has already given you as his son and his daughter dominion and authority. And all it takes is just like the shepherd with a take the oil and pour it over the sheep's head. All it takes is surrendering yourself to God and saying, God, I want the oil. I want the anointing. And I want it to remove anything and everything that is not of you. Father, this morning, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your faithfulness. Now, Father, speak to your people. Speak to your people. Every eye closed. This morning, you're in a place in your walk with God, or maybe you don't even have a walk with God. Matter of fact, let's just start there. You say, Pastor Lee, 
my life is in no way, form, or fashion right with God. And Jesus is not my Lord and He's not my Savior. But I realize that more than anything, I want to feel His presence. I want to feel His anointing. I want to be restored to authority. Pastor Lee, that's me. I need to make things right with God. There's no one looking around. You say, Pastor Lee, that's me. I want you to slip your hand out right where you are. I need to make things right with God. Anyone here on this Sunday morning? Anyone? Secondly, Pastor Lee, there's some things that I want the anointing of God to saturate my life with. There's some things that have to go. I want to be willing to come in with an attitude of praise, an attitude of worship. But there are some things that I've held on to that I need to surrender to God. You would say, Pastor Lee, that's me. Slip your hand out right where you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Would you stand with me all across the building this morning? I'm going to close in a fast prayer. I'm going to ask that they sing this one time. I'm going to ask, please, I know I went over time. I know it's after 12. But I'm going to ask this of you. I said, at least worship through this song once and let God speak to you. Let God speak to you. Father, this morning, we thank you. God, thank you for the lives that you have spoken to. Father, for anything, whether it be addiction, whether whatever it is, God, whether it's small, whether it's large, whatever it is, God, this morning, God, those that have chose to surrender to you, Father, this morning, I'm asking that you would pour your anointing oil out upon their life. Saturate them, Father. God, take us, take this church into a new place of worship within you a new place of dominion, a new place of authority. God, take us to a place we've never been.